This is the Fire Dog Podcast. The views and opinions presented on today's episode are those of the speaker and do not necessarily represent the views of the Department of Defense or the United States Air Force. Welcome, my name is Matt Wilson. Thank you for joining us for episode 34 of the Fire Dog Podcast. Before we get into the episode, make sure to check out our website, firedog.us. On the site, you'll find every podcast episode we've recorded so far, along with a couple of articles from people across the fire service. If you want to write an article to be featured on the site, we'd love to give you that opportunity. Simply click Contribute at the top of the page and then click Submit Content for Publication. And as always, don't forget to subscribe to the podcast so you can stay plugged into every episode. Our guests today are members of the Air Force Fire and Emergency Services Diversity and Inclusion Working Group. Over the past year, their team has worked on developing, refining, and implementing initiatives to improve diversity and inclusion within our career field. Their efforts are based on data collected through surveys and are driven by efforts from Air Force senior leaders. They join me today to discuss their purpose, their plan, and many other important details. Please welcome Cartalo Madison and Maria Stivers. Well, welcome to each of you. I, I appreciate you coming on. Um, diversity inclusion is its kind of a new topic. I mean, it's not new I guess in the grand scheme of things, but it's, it's, it's a new initiative, let's say, you know, there's a working group put together about a year ago, if I'm, my memory serves me right. And you two are kind of leading the effort. I'm, I'm excited that we could finally iron out a time to talk about this stuff. I know we've been kind of been going back, back and forth for a while, but uh, appreciate you guys coming on. Yeah. Thank you for having us, Sergeant Wilson. This is yeah, it's uh, my pleasure. It's been a uh, exciting to know that we can kind of get our voice heard through your podcast. Yeah, man. Thanks. Um, really do appreciate being up here, being a part of the uh, part of the podcast on behalf of the the team, the panel that was put together. Um, like Maria said, it's, it's been a lot of work up until this point, you know, trying to um, just trying to make an improvement within the career field itself. It's our pleasure, man. And uh, yeah, that's why we created the podcast, you know, to to communicate initiatives like this and to, uh, you know, get people on board and at least communicate what's going on, you know, so I'm really happy that we could do it for you guys as well. Uh, before we get into the diversity inclusion stuff, uh, we have each of you introduce yourselves, you know, tell us who you are, where you work, all that stuff. Cartalo, you can go. All right. So, um, Cartalo Madison, uh, I guess formerly known as Mass Sergeant Madison. Um, currently I'm the first Sergeant at the Intel unit. I've been there for about two months now prior to that. I was at Langley Fire Department, one of the assistant fire chiefs. Been in about going on 14 years now, um, enjoying it. Uh, been stationed uh, five different five different um, duty duty assignments, five different fire departments: Seymour Johnson, Holloman, Charleston, Travis, and then uh, Langley. Um, just looking forward to continuing to make a difference in our career field in the Air Force however I can, you know, however that may be one, one day at a time, one person at a time, one person at a time, you know? Yeah. Yeah. It's great to have you. For those of you who don't know, Cartalo and I both stationed at Langley together. We worked on the same shift. Oh yeah. I don't know if that makes, I don't know if that makes us friends. I think it does though. I think that now we go way back. So Maria, how about you? Uh, yeah, I'm uh, master Sergeant Maria Stivers. I um, have been in the Tennessee air national guard for, 17 years. Uh, I'm very excited to represent the state of Tennessee as a guardsman. Uh, that's what makes me a little bit different from my Sergeant Madison is I've stayed in one place a majority of my career. I haven't had the chance to move around. So um, most of my career has been with the state of Tennessee. Um, my full-time position is a 
fire manager. I work as the deputy chief on the Appendix 24 program, um, which makes me a state of Tennessee employee. I've been doing that for um, since 2007, um, but I've been in a fire manager position since 2013. So um, I've had the chance to grow and learn and meet people um, across the Air Force. Um, as a female, it's been a unique position to be in, um, in a leadership position. Uh, I enjoy being part of this group just because um, I can get involved more with people on an individual basis. Um, and that's something that I think that um, we're doing right now is being more invested in people and, um, you know, what their lives are like and how they're different. Um, and, you know, taking a look at how we can make things better for our people within our career field. And I think that that's very important in order to bring out the best in our teammates. And I, you know, I've enjoyed this time that I've been in the working group because, um, I found out that I'm not alone. I'm not the only female out there in fire services. Um, there's very few of us, but um, it's been good to be able to speak for, you know, women in general, but also a diverse group that really is in our AFSE. Yeah. Yeah. At the core of diversity and inclusion, that's what it's about, right? Is uh, recognizing the individual or the uniqueness of each individual, the diversity, diversity of each individual person and, the fact that uh, you know each one of them is valuable in what they can contribute, um, yeah, and, and recognizing their differences and all that stuff, you know. But it's great to have guard representation from you too on, on the working group. And there's a few other working groups out there I've noticed that we've have some reserve and guard representation. That's always good because that brings a perspective that I think is important because you know these things are typically dominated by active duty. It seems you know. It's awesome to not only have representation from you, but, uh, you know, have you kind of lead the effort. I think that's pretty cool. So, yeah, welcome to each of you. Thanks again for coming on. So we'll start discussing, um, I guess we'll start discussing the purpose of the Diversity Inclusion Initiative. I think it's probably intuitive for most people, right, like to uh, to highlight the individual differences in people and to highlight why that's important and, you know, and maybe bring forth some issues and try to solve some problems and stuff like that. But I want to hear from, you know, your perspective and your, I guess, what your take is on it based on the data that you've looked at and some of the initiatives you've developed, you know, what's the overall purpose of it? You know, why do we need a diversity inclusion working group? Uh, so I'll take that. Um, I know that uh, Master Sergeant Madison and I were uh, speaking briefly yesterday about it and, um, from my perspective, it's about, um, like I said earlier, bringing out the best in our teammates, um, bringing out the uniqueness of all the folks that are in, in our AFSC, um, but also bringing to light uh, some of the difficult conversations that need to be had um, within the topic of diversity and inclusion and remaining um, respectful in those conversations because they can be difficult. Um, it can be uncomfortable. Um, but we have to bring to light some of those differences. Um, we want to promote and um, uh, trust that, you know, there are good people out there. They're going to have those difficult conversations in the, in the right way. So we're trying to set folks up um, for success to have those conversations and start initiate those conversations. So our group, um, 
our, our mission statement in the beginning that we set up was to um, respect, trust, and promote highly qualified professional firefighters to ensure that there's a diverse and inclusive total workforce culture across our Air Force enterprise. Uh, that was something that we wanted to make sure that we stated very clearly that needed to happen within our working group. Um, that was set almost one on day one when we started meeting. And we knew we needed to set a mission statement and a vision statement. So um, our working group, um, as a standard statement, that's what we did as a mission. Uh, now that we've been working um, and talking to one another, we realized that um, we want to be proficient at setting initiatives and attacking those initiatives, which has to do with social media, education, um, having difficult conversation, talking points, uh, you know, we're, we're as a working group working to make those topics the, the highest points of what we um, we addressed. Right. Yeah, it's yeah, taking so- it to the next level. You know, the, I'm sorry to interrupt you, Cartalo. Taking it to the next level, like you, you have an idea, you want to create individual initiatives to, to yes. try to make some kind of progress. So you kind of take it to the next level beyond an idea. Sorry, go ahead, Cartalo. No, I was just going to add to what Maria's saying. So, um, so yeah, of course, um, our Air Force leaders identified a need to attack this initiative. And um, our leaders in fire, you know, let, let's take upon ourselves to to identify what we believe to be our cultural issues or our diversity and inclusion issues. Uh, because no uh, no squadron, no base, no fire department is a, is identical. So by um, by us attacking this from a fire fire perspective, we're we're able to to get the perspective of our firefighters to get the perspective perspective of our leaders in our career field to identify uh, our blind spots that we need to address. Mm-hmm. And so, um, so we we took it upon ourselves in our career field to put it, put together a very diverse panel to get perspective. And um, we actually put out a survey back in uh, was it December January pushed out a survey. The the mm-hmm. panel initially was about thirty two of us I want to say. 32 diverse individuals from um, guard, reserve, active, civilian, um, tall, short, black, whatever you want to, however you want to paint it. You know, it was a very, very diverse um, group of us, different perspectives from fire chief to firefighter. And um, we identified some of the, some of the things that we felt like we need to address. And from there, we shaped our goals and objectives, as Maria stated shortly ago. Yeah, I think I think it's worth mentioning too that this is a DOD initiative, right? So, I mean, there's there's a whole lot going on in society at large, and and then of course that's going to it's going to happen within the Air Force or in the Army or the Navy or the Marine Corps. And it's going to happen in individual cultures, you know, in the fire protection culture, and then individual fire departments, right? So that kind of stuff is important to the folks within those individual organizations. But I just wanted to mention that this is an initiative happening at the highest levels of the DOD. And really kind of there's kind of a paradigm shift even going on in our in American culture, really, with diversity and inclusion and, um, you know, with the events of George Floyd and, and all the others. How, how does that weigh into what you guys are doing? You know, the uh, let's say at the at the American kind of cultural level, like how much do you, did you consider stuff like that when you're, you're talking about this stuff? Well, I could speak on it um, by saying that. And as an airman or um, looking at our culture and how tense it is, um, I represent, you know, the Air Force and um, a profession that in itself is um, 
uh, very, um, I guess I'm, I'm, I'm uh, set with a set of core values that I represent. So, and in the culture of our society right now, it's, it's so intense. You know, I have to like represent those core values to some degree out in the world. That's not separate from me. Um, so when, I got you. as a leader, I have to represent something out into our communities. Um, my friends and my family know me as an airman first. Um, you know, I'm part of a service that um, is represented out into our community. So, you know, I think that we have something to leave in our communities um, as airmen. I think, I think a lot of times it's swung the opposite way. You know, uh, our, our communities are who we are first, and that's not true. You know, as an airman, I'm an airman first. So my community members look at me first as a military member. If that makes sense, does that? I got what you're saying. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, And so you know when I'm I've committed and sworn into the Air Force, I have to uphold certain kind of values, and that's what I put into the community, not what the community puts into me. Um, But um, you know it is relative. I understand what you're saying um, or asking. I have to represent into the community um, that each person in our community should be dealt with again, with respect and, and dignity, you know, not, not just, I, I'm, I'm not going to be the first one to protest. So, <laughs> um, yeah. you know, I, but I do think that there needs to be something spoken about diversity and right. how difficult it has become in our communities lately. Um, so within the Air Force community, I know I can make a change by presenting um, talking points and suggestions right. to our leadership on how to address some of those difficult conversations that are being had in our communities. Right. So, you know, I feel like maybe I can control more within the Air Force than I can in a community, if that makes sense. I got gotcha. you. Yeah, if I'm understanding what you're saying is you have a you have a set of core values that were that are constant and even existed before events in, in society. Like you've always treated people with dignity and respect. It's not, it didn't take an event for, for you to change who you are. If if I'm understanding that right. Yeah. That's me personally. Um, you know, I, I think that, uh, me personally, um, I feel like my friends and family or my friends in my community um, should be treated with dignity and respect, but I have a lot more momentum within the air force to change things. So, um, and thank God I have a network now that I can Mm -hmm. put those um, suggestions out in a professional way. Mm -hmm. And um, if I, if I might add, I think um, the days of you having your personal opinion outside of work and you having Mm -hmm you strictly focusing on the Air Force core values once you, or, you know, once you uh, come to work, so to say, wearing that mask, those days are over. Once um, things happen in this country, we got, we have to, uh, we have to be quick and deliberate and we have to address them. And uh, so, so sometimes it is, it is hard when you, you can't, you don't understand that that cultural impact or you don't connect with that. You don't have a connection or rapport with that that member who is affected by that that incident that's going on in the country. You got to find a way to connect with them to 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 empathize and, and kind of understand so you can right. uh, have that candid conversation. Yeah, yeah. To offer some of my perspective, 
Um, I think that most people, if not all people, I'd say most, we're not going to say all, most people in their mind think that they treat people with dignity and respect, right? I don't think anybody wakes up and say, I want to be racist or homophobic or whatever. Um, I want to treat everybody as a human being. I think most people in today's society, that, that's the case. I think where I think where the discussion's worth having is where we're ignorant, right? Me, me personally, where I'm ignorant or where my blind spots are, kind of how you guys mentioned earlier. I think that's where it's worth an effort, right? We all we already know everybody wants to to treat everybody with dignity and respect. Okay, so so what do I not know? What do I not see? And what are the things I'm doing? Or do I not understand my coworker? Do I not understand his experience or her experience? Anyways, that's just my perspective anyways. And Cartalo and I, we've had conversations about this offline. I mean, definitely a handful of times at least. And uh, I think he knows where I'm coming from with that. Yeah, and to that point, I would say that um, I think that was a little bit of the first steps that we took within the group was to understand us as a group a little bit better. And that's why we did the surveys and shared the demographics and talked about that for many a meetings. I mean, we probably had two months of meetings talking about those demographics and who we are as an AFSC that, that helped us kind of move forward um, to kind of identify like who we are. Because uh, right. I, I personally, I was a little bit ignorant about some of the demographics. Um, when I first saw those numbers, it was eye opening. Um, I knew I was in a male dominant AFSC, which mm-hmm. I didn't have a problem with that. But once I saw um, the demographics of um, racial differences, um, mm-hmm. it, that was like, oh, wow, I didn't even I didn't even realize that. So I showed up ignorant, too. I thought just me showing up as a female, you know, I would be a subject matter expert on the on the on the topics. And it totally disqualified me once I saw some of those dem- demographics. It was like, okay, we have a predominantly male Caucasian AFSC. Uh, So that helped us direct where we would set up goals and initiatives. Um, That really, that really launched us forward. So showing up ignorant is not a bad thing. No, Uh, not at all. Being, being humble about the topics and um, you know, our, 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 where we're lacking at is what we need in our working group moving forward. Yeah, Absolutely. Yeah, being ignorant is kind of a, and admitting that you're ignorant is a sign of humility. It's like there's nothing there's nothing wrong about that. There's all there's every one of us. There's something that every one of us doesn't realize or doesn't understand, and that's okay. You know, nobody's expecting you to know everything yeah. or know everybody know know everybody's individual experience. You know, but at least care enough about the per- person that you work with or that you see every day to to want to understand them and understand what. Uh, what's important to them. That's really at the core of this, right? Yeah. I think there's a certain set of vulnerability associated with that also. So once people admit that they're vulnerable to talk about that, then they lose power. Um, And I think a lot of people are afraid to lose power um, or admit that there's a vulnerability there, that they are ignorant about subjects. And the, in the, in the realistic thing though, is when you are vulnerable, you almost, get you almost gain more power like people respect you more they want to open up to you more you know they're going to tell you things that they normally wouldn't tell you and to me that you know you're more powerful when when you're in a position like that where people are willing to approach you about everything yeah because you you allow 
you allow them to be vulnerable. Yeah, you, exactly. And then you can learn that, hey, we, we do have more things in common, you know, once they open up to you and um, have that, that communication with you. Well, let's start talking about some of, you know, some of the plans taskers. Um, what are some of the initiatives? What are some of the more important initiatives, some that you guys want to address here that the working group is getting after? So um, the biggest thing, I believe, is getting getting the message out to our career field. And for everyone understanding that we are um, we are trying to tackle this initiative, but we're putting we're putting a lot of we want to put, make sure we put a lot of time, thought and effort into it and not just put out a quick material or, you know, quick product to say, hey, we we done this. We check this box. That's 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 far from the goal. We want to make sure we actually having a true, uh, true drastic impact within our career field. We want everyone to feel mm-hmm. inclusive, included, um, whatever environment they're in. And um so one of the first things we put out was the um, fire chief, deputy fire chief talking point sheet, which uh, had a lot of demographics up there. Some people might ask why, uh, what's the purpose of these demographics? You look at some of the demographics and yeah, it, it's kind of in line with the rest of the demographics in the U.S. But the right. intent of that is for us to see that and realize, hey, our female firefighters comprise such a small percentage of our career field. So maybe we do have some blind spots. Maybe we do have some mm-hmm. unconscious bias that we need to address to ensure that we're making them feel included. You know, the same right. with um, some of the minorities, not necessarily to look at those numbers and to to try to to try to get them to merge, to say the least. That's not ne- that's not necessarily the goal. But if you're making if I'm making um, Maria feel included, you know, she's going to want to stay. She's gonna going to want to continue to be a part of the team. And that's what right. it's about. Those numbers are clo- uh, slowly continue to, to climb the more we make our members feel inclusive. So that's, that was one of the first things we put out was the, the deputy chief, fire chief talking points, which was uh, recommended to allow our leaders to engage with their new firefighters to have those diversity and inclusion conversations. Have you guys had any of, feedback on that particular thing? Um, I have had some feedback and conversations with, uh, I know I had it with my prior fire chief and a couple other chiefs. And they, like I said, they had questions. They asked about why, you know, the purpose of the, the demographics. And we, we had that conversation. And once I, I kind of explained it to them, they, 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 they saw it and understood it. What about you, Maria? Uh, yeah, that, that kind of fell under our initiative um, for mentorship and team development. Um, I haven't had much feedback about it, um, but um, I know that team development is important for our group. Uh, that was, I, I know, mentioned right off the bat that we wanted to make sure that everyone had a chance to speak um, and have a time and a place that, you know, is respectful for everybody to be able to speak their perspective. And um, that talking point document really um, was helpful, a good tool that I think every leader needs to put into their toolbox. Mm-hmm. Hey, I was just going to say that was just one of the first, uh, very first tasks that we put together since, um, I want to say we pushed that out back in March. Since then, it's a uh, we, we've been we've been moving and, and, and spent a lot of work put in. I know we had the, the fry brief uh, last month back in July. Uh, Maria was um, was a part of that. Got the senior the senior listed mentorship briefing coming up, uh, I believe, September 9th. Um, senior Valentin, be, um, he'll be one of the POCs facilitating that brief for us. So we we're, so what we're trying to do is we're trying to attack this at every every level from the lowest firefighter middle tier to to our, our enlisted leaders, our um, fire chiefs, deputy fire chiefs, assistant fire chiefs, firefighters, crew chiefs. Um, so we're, we're trying to attack this at every level. 
So for example, they have um, we developed curriculum, DNI curriculum at the tech school level. Mm-hmm. And we plan on having that implemented throughout the tech school training. So they'll they'll receive DNI training there and then they'll go back to they'll go to their home stations, have those conversations with their uh their fire chief, deputy fire chief, hopefully able to share some perspective based off their initial training, their initial DNI training. Right. And then um, also incorporated within a rookie book and then for our senior fire officers at the, the AFIT level. Right. Let's talk a little bit about the training. So when people hear training, when people hear curriculum, it's like, you know, it's a lesson plan. There's objectives. There's things that I have to say. It's sometimes like tech school environment, especially is kind of a, a one way conversation. What exactly is this training? Are, are, is it conversations between instructors and trainees? You know, when you say training, like what's being what's being taught? Are, are we sh- what in I guess in addition to demographics are we talking about? So I know our initiative was set for education um, overall. That was the that was the topic. Um, I don't know if training is really the right the right word, but um, education for us as a group and what Master Sergeant Madison is trying to convey is that we wanted the education to be from, you know, when they hit basic, they're getting it, that they're getting it again in tech school and they're they're getting it when they go into the leadership roles using the rookie book um, and then NCO Academy, you're going to get it at PME school And then at the highest level, AFIT is usually when you're going to revisit that topic again. So as far as education, maybe not so much training, you're getting some sort of um, briefing, uh, a block of education um, that offers you, um, you know, vocabulary that should be used, um, which includes words like unconscious bias, you know, um, how that plays into your career as a firefighter and going up into leadership, um, an educational process shouldn't stop just at your basic training level. So we wanted to make sure that that's a continuous process and that's addressed throughout someone's career. So as an initiative under education, that's how we addressed it. We addressed it that it's a continuous process and that, mm-hmm. um, that we're establishing a, a culture that our leaders aren't, you know, just getting it once and it's going away. We want it to continue throughout someone's career. Okay. So like for the rookie book example, is it like, you know, have a conversation with your supervisor about diversity inclusion, or is it discuss unconscious bias or discuss this specific thing, or is it broad? I I, I believe it's a broad topic. Okay. I was just curious about that. And I don't know. I, I haven't seen the, uh, I haven't seen any of the, the educational material, so that's just what I'm asking. And uh, I know some listeners probably would like to to understand exactly. Some of them may have seen it, but I personally haven't, so that's why I'm asking questions on it. But yeah, a lot of our material um, has to go through an approval process. You know, it goes through uh, Chief Morris and Chief Pittman. Um, they okay. have to deliver an opinion in the end, and once it's approved, it's put on our FES SharePoint site. Um, gotcha. like the talking point sheet, the rookie book, all those things, you know, are available, um, through the mm-hmm. SharePoint site once it's approved. Perfect. And there's also a Facebook page too, right? And I, I imagine that the same stuff's on there. Yes. So, um, we do have a Facebook page and, um, 
the goal is to start pushing out all of our DNI information on Facebook page, DNI material, and to, to use that as right. Facebook page also as an education platform. But it's also um, we want to use it as a as an avenue um, for individuals to be able to reach out with potential DNI concerns. So if you uh, right. if you have a question or you need some perspective, you can um, you can inbox us, and you can right. um, we can we can. We can contact you or we can reply to you and hold that DNI conversation with you because sometimes maybe um, it's just a matter of perspective when it comes to, I believe that this individual is not, for example, this individual is not promoting me because he's racist. So right, maybe right, you can right. reach out. I can reach out to Maria, gain some perspective. She could paint a picture for me. Or maybe that is the case and she could point me in the right, the right direction. Right. Yeah, I got you. Yeah, it's an avenue. I know yes, women in fire, they, they had a, they have a similar Facebook group and they've, they mentioned that they were success with that. Um, but yeah, it's always good to have a place where people can feel comfortable and talk about stuff like that. Hopefully they feel comfortable in their organization. Like that's the whole goal of this stuff, but sometimes they need that Avenue, you know, through Facebook or whatever else. Yeah, yeah. Sometimes now, social media. I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, I was just going to say sometimes, um, like I said, you need that un- unbiased opinion, you know, um, yeah, they might sure. not feel comfortable talking to that NCO, that fire that fire chief that they work with, they can reach out to an unbiased party, another fire chief who has perspective, who has um, right. who has experienced that before, or another firefighter who has experienced that before, and they can they can get some perspective for them. Yeah, Cartel, you brought up a good point, and I think, in my experience and in your experience, I think we can, I think I can attest to this that a lot of times, people simply need that perspective. Um. It, it, it may not always be a problem relating to a demographic difference. Uh, sometimes they need a perspective or they need, you know, all the context needs to be laid out and kind of explained, but not saying that there's not problems out there because there certainly is, but, um, but yeah, that was a good point that you brought up right there. And, yeah. Uh, and like, like you said, from personal experience, you know, is um, sometimes we need to, to phone a friend. I need to, Hey, Hey Matt, do you think I'm, do you think I'm treating these airmen differently than I'm treating these airmen? Right. Or do right. you think um, it's a cultural gap and I need to, I need to gain a better understanding of these airmen and how they're potentially perceiving the way I'm treating them, you know, so that I can connect with them so that I can get them to understand that, yeah, I am treating you fairly, but I just didn't understand the way I was coming across and uh, phoning that friend, like I said, Hey Matt, um, what do you think? You were able to help me understand from, like I said, personal experience from prior conversations we don't have. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. Now, I was going to make the point of that social media sometimes I've seen um, in light of things that are happening in our community um, with politics or, you know, social injustice. A lot of times people will comment or post um, with this cloak of privacy that, you know, that won't be addressed, um, you know, set out in the street and told that they're saying something wrong. A lot of times they can post or comment in such a way that, you know, they they kind of have this. Uh, like I say, a cloak of privacy where they won't be, you know, blasted for what they say. So, you know, it does create a way for people to openly express or comment how they mm-hmm. truly feel without mm-hmm. it really affecting, you know, the department that they work in. Um, right, right, right. So, you know, social media is very unique for a lot of m- millennials that are coming up too. They, that's their way they communicate, you know, so we wanted to make sure that that was a strong initiative, um, social media, not just with Facebook, but um, I'd like to see us move forward with um, Instagram and Twitter, which we haven't really gotten into yet. 
Um, but your podcast obviously addresses some of our initiative within social media. So, you know, the, the, the more ways that we can get our voice out through social media will probably hit some of our younger troops. Because uh, I've even heard within our working group, some of our older leadership that is involved in our group, they don't even know what Facebook is. So, um, you know, we we want to make sure that we're hitting um, some of the younger troops that are coming up, that they understand sure. that they're not, um, you know, secluded in a group of their own. You know, they're part of a larger group. And we're asking for people to come and, you know, play an active part, you know, comment. Uh, send us a message, you know, talk to us. We're, we're right here. You know, we're here for them. And just for the record, there's no fire chiefs running the, the Facebook page, but um, if we need to reach out to fire chiefs based off of um, some perspective, whatnot, we, they're there, you know, for the Avenue. I, I know some right, young right. bucks like, I'm not, you know, I'm not going to email this fire chief, but yeah, just, just for the record. Yeah. Well, let's talk about skepticism. I mean, that's, uh, that's kind of like an elephant in the room, right? Uh, I think, you know, each of us know people who may be skeptical about an initiative like this. And I think most people who are skeptical are probably probably not saying much about it. Um, some of them might be. But what's the message to people who are skeptical? You know, why is it important to embrace this DNI initiative? I know we kind of talked about it, but uh, just give another opportunity to to talk to those people who have skepticism, I guess. Uh, I could probably speak on the matter by um, <clears throat> thinking that um, we have to do this. This was something that was imposed upon us by leadership. Uh, I tried to talk to Master Sergeant Madison a little bit about this. Um, I kind of entered in the group with some skepticism on my own, you know, not knowing where this group was going to go as a guardsman. Um, would I really have any kind of um, any feedback as, as a guardsman? Would my voice be heard? Um, and it took only a few meetings to realize that, Hey, I'm going to be, you know, I'm in this, you know, I'm part of the group. Um, I, I spoke up, I raised my hand and I'm going to be included. Um, I think some of my perspective is unique in the fact that, you know, I don't have the networking usually as a guardsman. So um, I would say that my skepticism initially was, was this group even really going to hear me personally in my voice? And it only took a matter of time before I realized that every within everyone within the group was very professional. Um, they asked uh, questions from me, like how I felt about things. And then before I knew it, I'm doing a presentation in front of Fry. Um, so, you know, I thought it was um, um, unique um, in the position that I was put in um, to talk about you know, my perspective as a female in a leadership role, which usually doesn't get addressed. Uh, So I can only imagine, you know, how someone on the outside of this group could feel that this group, you know, was just created because it had to be created because the leadership um, came down on us and said, this is the rule and this is what we need to do because everybody else is doing it. Um, That's not the reason why the group was created. It was created so that we could bring together more people with creative ideas, more perspectives and have innovative ideas um, so that we can be better as an AFSC. Um, You know, we want more conversation and sometimes that includes difficult conversation. 
So um, I could say that some of that skepticism is probably natural, but it's all just a matter of time if you're willing to be humble and step forward, you know, educate yourself um, on, you know, that there are other people out there that really have your back and really want you your voice included. Mm-hmm. I, I think it's fair to be skeptical, especially of the unknown sure. you don't know. Yeah. Um, I think it's necessary to be skeptical. I mean, if we're talking sure. on a broad broad level, you know, like you don't want to accept everything for what it is right when it becomes an initiative, right? Like, well, let me educate myself about it. It's okay to be skeptical, healthy skepticism, I guess. And I, trust. Yeah. yeah and, I, and I would say, um, so on the outside looking in, you, you can, they might be looking like they're just trying to check a box. I also say mm-hmm. control what you can control. I had the opportunity to be a part of this. I had the opportunity to make sure that this, this does go in the right direction to give my input. Um, I'm sure Maria and the rest of the panel members reached out to their firefighters they work with for perspective. I know I did that. Give them the opportunity to to be a part of this change, to be a part of this um, initiative and improvement for our career field. Mm-hmm. So I, I would say if if anyone is skeptical, to reach out to reach out to us, reach out to any of us to to give us some perspective. Maybe maybe yeah, we're right. headed in the right direction, but they could help us to advance it quicker. Right. Maybe right. you know maybe yeah. they could. They could give us a better, more perspective to help us um, to get there, to get to where we're going with a little of their input, you know? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's a good way. Yeah, that's a really good, it's a really good message to those people. Like your, your perspective matters too. So uh, if you're skeptical about this initiative, how about you share your perspective, man? Let's like collectively see what we can do. So, and and I'll add, man, when when we put this, this panel together, you're talking about a bunch of diverse individuals with uh, different, you know, different um, vision, different perspectives, and we had to bring that together. So it was a lot of, a lot of, uh, I don't want to say tough conversations, but it was, um, it was a lot of conversations to make sure that we uh, went about this the right way. Everybody's voice was heard, as well as taking mm-hmm. into account all the, uh, the surveys we put out and the opinions from all the um, firefighters throughout our career field with their different perspectives to making sure we address all of these matters. So. Um, mm-hmm. So like I said, it's, it's fair to be skeptical, but your voice does matter. And we want, you know, we want that opinion and that feedback. I was once Airman Madison. She was once uh, Airman Stivers. You was once Airman, Airman Wilson, you know, who, who probably felt like we didn't have a voice, who might have been in a climate that you, uh, you didn't think was conducive to the environment that it should have been, you know. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So we're at the point now where we want, we want to make that change. We want, we want your opinions. We don't want to know what yeah. we don't want you to feel skeptical, but if you are, it, it's fair. And um, like I said, reach out to us. We'll give you some, um, you can give us a perspective. I'm listening. I'm all ears. Yeah, you know? yeah. yeah, absolutely. That's a great message. I want to go off script a little bit here and ask about the survey specifically. I, I, I wish I would have thought of this earlier. What kind of stuff did the survey find? If anything, I mean, if anything significant, what kind of significant things were identified? Well, I know when I first saw the um, first demographic, um, it was broken down by total force enlisted, um, male, female, um, broken down by components, and then it was broken down for civilians. So the first component component was broken down um, as far as race and then by gender, and that that was the one that I was speaking of earlier that was just so eye opening to me. Um, Mm -hmm. That's the one that usually is spoken about the most because um, according to that survey, our, um, our survey showed that 
the race uh, breakdown was that there was 79.43% white um, mm-hmm. in our AFSC mm-hmm. and 12.61 um, of African-Americans that responded to our survey. Let's just say that too, um, right. because um, there was a small percentage that did not That's respond. good too, right? I'd say you, you want the, uh, that's probably an accurate representation of what our demographic is for everybody who didn't necessarily respond to the survey. And to have that kind of percentage respond to the survey, I think is a good representation then, right? Oh yeah. I mean, that's definitely 5,000, more than 5,000 people that responded in that survey, just on those two groups. There were some other um, smaller um, um, uh, racial groups identified, um, sure. Asian, American Indian, um, right. uh, smaller ones that were identified, but uh, they weren't even over 1%. Um, so um, as far as the racial groups, that's the larger percentages um, were Caucasian and African-American. Um, then as gender, it was identified that there was 96% male. Mm-hmm. And um, I think there was only, um, what, 3.8% of female, um, which ends up being only about 226 females across our FSE, whether they're guard, active, whatever. So, um, yeah, when you look at the graph, it's 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 obvious you know, that we have a large percentage of Caucasian male within our AFSE. So beyond demographic, were there, in, were there individual questions asked in the survey? I, I think I took it, but I, yeah. I can't really remember. Okay. Yes. yes. So um, some of the questions that were asked were such as, um, how does, how does uh, diversity and inclusion affect our career field? Yeah. Uh-huh. Um, okay. How can we, how can we address diversity and inclusion? How can, um, how can we become more educated on diversity and inclusion? Yeah, what's okay. our main barrier hindering our career okay. field addressing diversity and inclusion? And the answer is there any kind of trend with answers? The answers were pretty broad, to be honest. Okay. Yeah, again, I, I threw you a curveball because we didn't talk about this no, before. Now you're you fine. Now you're fine. Uh, yeah, but yeah. um, far as the edu- education, education was education is key. That was one of the main piece that um that kept coming back is we need to be more educated on. We need to be more educated on it. And so gotcha. uh, that was one of the things we definitely wanted to tackle. I know earlier I said training, but you substitute the word training with education. We, we, right, needed, to, we needed to be more educated on it. And how can we edu- ensure that we educate each other at every level? Because um, the level of education you need might be different than the level of education that, you know, Airman, um, Airman Madison needs, you know, it, it is different. So how can we, how can we tackle that? So, yeah, it was, um, we filtered through all them surveys and, uh, and that's how we did. We eventually we developed our goals and, and initiatives from that. Gotcha. Okay, that makes sense. Yeah. So just to just to go over the initiatives a little bit. So really, education is probably well, it's probably the majority of it, right? Um, and then embedding that into tech school and rookie book, uh, fire chief conversations, um, um, AFIT, um, and then they get it at PME. You know, some some of the individuals go through PME. Um, so how, how do we measure the success of those things, of the initiatives that have been developed? How are we going to measure? How are we going to know if it's working? Are we going to do another survey? Or It's definitely going to take feedback. Um, sure. Whether or not we do that within the department. And I think that's something also that we identified that we don't want to come in with all these initiatives to tell your department how it needs to change. Um, mm-hmm. We want 
a department to have tools in their toolbox in order to instill some change and um, let departments have control over how it's going and how it needs to uh, be modified. So um, feedback can be done on a departmental level. And um, I, I can't say that I've heard about another survey, you know, being presented to our, um, to our career field um, to see how it's going. But um, I can say that it was identified that it needs to happen on a departmental level to see what works best for your department. You know, we're presenting these initiatives as tools. Um, we've identified that um, it's an issue across the career field because um, every department's different. And, you know, firefighters have stepped forward to say, you know, yes, it's, it's, a, it's an issue across our career field. But as a department, we know how to modify it for our department. And I think it's up to the chiefs to, you know, ask again, um, hey, is this working? Is this not working? Um, you know, and then reach out to another department and have conversations of what's working in your department. How can we get that to work? You know, this is all part of just trying to initiate um, a use of a new tool. That's really what it is. Gotcha. So, yeah, that that the constant communication um, with members, you know, asking them maybe a survey needs to maybe an annual survey. Maybe that would help. I know the demographics. Uh, looking at the demographics. So right now it was about what three percent females. Mm-hmm. I know as far as active duty is what one female senior master sergeant, senior master sergeant sure. select. Mm-hmm. So I I would say it's a reason why why a lot of our female firefighters aren't aren't staying in the career field, which is why we're mm-hmm. trying to uh, we're trying to attach, tackle this initiative so that they feel more inclusive so that they stay in because the percentage at the sure. bottom is a lot higher than the percentage at the top. So that's that's right. another way of me- of measuring it. Throughout time, it's going to take time. So over time, you, we want to slowly see that percentage of female firefighters, for example, increase. We want them to stay you. in. We want to be able to retain them. We want them to feel included. I'm tracking. So yeah, maybe a uh, maybe annual annual demographics annual survey, so we can so we can continue to adjust. Because uh, if we we go on we going off next year, if we're still addressing matters based off last year's survey, um, we're behind the curve. We have to constantly continue to adjust it, adjust the issues and the matters that are, that are being presented to us on a daily, weekly, monthly basis, not just um, addressing old matters. So we're going to be behind the curve, you know. Hey, I could also say on that point about feedback, if you're going to really throw some PME um, theories in there, you know, everybody's heard of the OODA loop. You know, yep. we can use the OODA loop in this in this whole process. You know, we're mm-hmm. orientating, we're deciding, we're acting. You yeah. know, that's a, that's a, um, a theory that's used yeah. to, yes, that's that describes how, um, modification happens, you know, you start here, but that loop, yeah. you know, is always, um, checked, you know? Right. Right. So it, yeah. it has to be modified. It's not going to You're never complacent. You're, you're always adjusting based on the environment. That's right. Yeah. I, I'm tracking what you're saying. Um, I, and, and to be completely honest, it's t- that's a tough question to answer. I mean, you know, and I know we talked about this beforehand, uh, but, you know, how do you measure it with those things, with feedback and, you know, maybe maybe slight changes in demographic. But really, um, I think you're just going to know culturally, you'll know. Um, and, and it takes time for changes like this to 
to really take hold. And, and really we, we're always in a, in a state of constant change. Right. Um, and, and things are continuing to get better. It just takes time for these kind of things, but it doesn't, you know, it, you have to make a deliberate effort, you know, create those Facebook groups and create those education pieces and making a deliberate effort to maybe accelerate change, understanding that it's not going to happen overnight and it's not going to be completely solved in a decade or two decades. It's going to take a lot of time. And so how do you measure that? Uh, it, it's not an exact science, you know, it's not like a, it's not like a, a chemical equation or anything like there's no like there's no specific outcome we're looking for we're just looking for better you know good change and and, and inclusiveness right so that everybody's everybody can equally contribute and feel that they belong in an organization without any kind of uh, bias or prejudice or any of that so i was a little long-winded there but i figured that was a, a point worth making but it's definitely um, a moving target. That's for sure. Sure. And we don't, and we yeah. don't want to lose trust between members and we don't want to lose communication between members. Those, those are two high points that need to happen between leadership and firefighters. Um, you know, whether it's on a constant basis, an annual basis, however, mm-hmm. it needs to be had. And sometimes it's very difficult. Um, now that we have a working group that, you know, it seems like the age range is um, higher and lower. You've got older members working with younger members that just don't understand, you know, the Y generation people, um, you know, they're, they're just different and how they communicate and, you know, feedback is important, but, um, you know, it can be a moving target. We just don't want to lose the trust in the communication. Gotcha. What about the panel of folks that uh, are on the diversity inclusion? Well, I guess we'll just talk specifically about that, not necessarily women in fire, but so how were they selected? Um, you know, how does somebody who may be interested in, in participating in this work group, how do they get, uh, how do they get on? So the, the email initially was pushed out by, um, by, by Chief Morris and um, Chief Wagner last December-ish soliciting for, um, mm-hmm. for members to be on the, on the panel to fire chiefs and the fire chiefs um, should have um, sent it out to their, to their, to their firefighters, to their members. That's how, that's how I found out about it. Um, my fire chief pushed out the email and um, I, I thought it was a, a great initiative that I, I wanted to be a part of. So um, I would say if members want to be a part of it, cause we, uh, we, it was about a panel of 32, 32 members. And from there, we, we had to break it down to POCs cause it's hard to have a, have a conference meeting with, with 32 members. So from mm-hmm. there, we, we broke it down to POCs and uh, we, we try our best to keep um, all the rest of the members engaged in case they still want to um, partake and help out with certain tasks. So I would say if a, if a member wants, if someone wants to, to get involved, they have ideas, they have perspective, they could reach out to, to, to one of us, to one of us, uh, one of us POCs, um, Massar Maria Stivers, you got Master Sergeant Cartalo Madison, uh, Senior Master Senior Master Sergeant uh, Skipper Valentin Cruzado, um, Chief Chief Blanco, Chief uh, Chief Stephen Fuller. I'm, am I forgetting the name? Um, uh, Darnell Dobson. Yep, Master Sergeant Darnell Dobson, Master Sergeant Select. Um, <laughs> we have Senior Master Sergeant Ortiz. Wyatt. Yeah, Senior Master Sergeant Wyatt, Master Sergeant Select Ortiz. Uh, Senior yep. Master Sergeant uh, Jeff Wyatt, as well as um, our, our counterparts, um, Senior Master Sergeant Select Espin- Espinosa, Master Sergeant Blessing, 
Ms. Bykowski, they can reach out to any of us if they um, they're trying to be a part of this. We definitely we're embracing it. We're not, you know, we're not just um like, hey, we're working on this. This is our this is our baby. We're you know we got this. We we opening arms to anybody who's um willing to help and push this thing forward. Maria, do you have anything else on that? Uh, no, I, I I well, let me say I want everyone to know that our group should represent our AFSC to the widest range, whether you're a civilian. Uh, whether you're enlisted, whether you're in the reserve, um, female, male, um, different races, we we want to hear all those perspectives. Um, there are things that I I wasn't aware of by being part of this group, and for me, it's been um, a great a great learning experience. Um, I know we had um, from PACAF, we had Miss Kano that stepped forward. She was um, um, a, what is it a DoD and national Japan, yeah, Japan national firefighter yeah host nation national yeah and she taught me um a wealth of things um just from one email that I was unaware of because I've never been to PACAF I've never worked in that area um just from not only the language barriers but um just some of the customs and courtesies that um someone would experience in that fire department so I want everyone to know that they're welcome to come and share their perspective. doesn't matter if you're civilian or enlisted. Um, everyone's welcome to even just sit in and listen to a meeting. They don't even have to participate. Just come and listen. Um, they're done on a biweekly basis. Um, we have our um, career field manager that's there on a biweekly, ma- uh, biweekly uh, meeting through um, teams, and anyone can come and participate, anyone. Well, I do really appreciate you guys coming on and, and providing perspective on this initiative, man. I was, I'm glad we're we're able to get together and uh, you guys could, you know, speak about this. Are there any other things that you want to address before we wrap it up? Once again, man, we appreciate your time. I appreciate you allowing us to come up here and um, to, to share our perspective on behalf of the Air Force Fire Diversity and Inclusion um, panel. Um, it's definitely been a pleasure. And I feel like um, the Air Force and our career field is moving in the right direction. I couldn't have imagined, um, honestly, man, um, 10 plus years ago, being um being an African-American male, having this platform, being able to sit here and hold these conversations with um with you individuals, it, it's great. Yeah, I would definitely re- reiterate that same language. Uh, I, I find it a unique um, position to be in, to speak as a woman, especially in our AFSC. Um, I, I spoke at Fry and, and spoke of how many times I've been in uh, how many years I've been in the AFSC and treated with dignity and respect. Uh, sometimes some folks don't get that same treatment. Um, so I want to make sure that I offer that to all the females in our AFSC and that they have a um, good experience throughout their professional career with the Air Force. Um, and that's just speaking for females, but also for myself um, in this group, um, it's been a great experience being able to network uh, with people across the AFSC. Obviously, we have people that have been involved um, from Goodfellow and PACAF and reserves. It's been a great experience. And I, I want to thank you for inviting us on your podcast so we could speak on these topics. Yeah, it's absolutely my pleasure. And I, I want to thank you guys because I would have never met you had, had you guys not you know, started this working group and we never started a podcast. You know, So that, that's a really cool thing. 
a really cool opportunity. I get to meet all these people doing all this stuff. I, I met you beforehand, Matt. Just oh, so that's you. right. Yeah, my bad, Cartoon. My bad, man. <laughs> um, one last plug for the Facebook group. What's what's it called? Diversity and inclusion for fire and emergency services. Uh, it has a logo that's a blue flame. Um, if th- that helps uh, identify it a little bit better. Um, but yeah, if uh, if you just search for diversity and inclusion with fire and emergency services. Sounds good. All right, guys. Well, I appreciate you. Thanks again. Have a good day. Thank you. Right, you too. Y'all have a good one. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Fire Dog Podcast. You can find more commentary articles and episodes just like this regularly posted on our website, firedog.us. We're also on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash the Fire Dog Podcast and on Instagram at the Fire Dog Podcast. That is the Fire DAWG Podcast, recently verified as official through Instagram and Facebook. Also, don't forget to subscribe, like, and follow to stay plugged into every new episode and give us a five star review on Apple Podcasts if you've enjoyed this episode. Lastly, we'd love it if you'd share this podcast with your friends and coworkers, either on social media or right there in the firehouse. This is Matt Wilson and guests Cartalo Madison and Maria Stivers. Until next time, stay safe.